and Nico, guess what? What is it, Ben? The flow of a river is synonymous with the quality of life you will find in its surrounding community. Wow, that was delightfully poetic. Tell me a little bit more. Well, fly fishing can be instrumental in not only discovering the health of a river, but also a means in which to connect with nature, the community, and your fellow angler. Mm, indeed, but hey, Ben. Ben. What? Yeah, so this is going to be a full-spectrum journey that captures the entire essence of being on the water and feeling that expedition, not only with the knowledge to land that trophy trout and that wave you're always thinking about, but how to feel that voyage. We'll meet with the leaders, pioneers, and groundbreakers in the community to learn more about what drives them, their passions, and to promote their contribution to the community. So join Ben and I on this journey on the Burritos, Breaks, and Flies podcast. And with that, we're actually here with our first guest, um, Eric Olson. And we know him as an avid hunter, fly fisherman, general outdoorsman. And also, he's the GM of Whitney Peak. So thanks for being with us. Thank Eric. you, guys. Yeah. Glad to be here. So, I mean, just to start off, who is Eric Olson? All right. So, Eric Olson, I'm a uh, third generation Northern Nevada. I think while you guys have me here, I've uh, hunted and fished my entire life, mostly upland birds, and then fished my entire life as well, fished mostly kind of lures and worms, things like that, but recently got into fly fishing, and yeah. I think that's made a good connection to you guys as well. <laughs> um, family lives here, married, and I'm the general manager of Whitney Peak Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. What You know what? What got you into being the general manager of Whitney Peak? Like, how did, how did that come about? Yeah, kind of, a, kind of a random story. My background is in accounting. I uh, went to the University of Nevada, Reno. I was the controller at a country club. I was trying to get out of accounting, actually, so I applied at a couple sales positions around town. Wasn't sure what I really wanted to do. And I saw Whitney Peak Hotel opening. I researched the owners and the the general manager kind of running the operation. I was super intrigued by it, and I always stuck by the mantra of find the right boss, not the right job. So I, they didn't have any jobs open. I wrote a handwritten letter to the managing director, expressing my interest. You know, kind of telling them, hey, I'd love to, you know, break into the hotel industry, maybe assistant general manager. And they, they uh, emailed me back, found me, we got in contact, and then they offered me a position as the director of accounting. Wanted to get out of accounting, but the boss was right. Um, kind of a bigger city company coming into Reno. They had yeah. you know an employee kitchen, things like that. So took the job and then slowly worked my way up to general manager. So I think I think Ben and I could both agree that that you have a pretty unique landscape to work with here. Yeah. I mean, you have. I mean, how'd you say it, Ben? As far as how we yeah we were talking hotel. about Whitney Peak, and it yeah. seems like it represents the new Reno. I mean, obviously Reno has always been known for the Sierra Nevadas, the Truckee River, but it seems like to us in the past, Reno was known for the old kind of smoky casinos. And um, now you guys are attracting um, kind of a new, a new outsider's world as far as action, adventure. So how do you guys kind of separate yourself from everybody else yeah so our, actually our original um, kind of motto here was bringing the outside in so it really does with you know when you go and tour the rooms and walk around the building you're gonna get a little fresher vibe around here uh, we've since kind of evolved from that but it's still 
what Whitney Peak represents. You're gonna walk in, it's gonna be very refreshing. You know, it's non-gaming, non-smoking hotel. All the staff's really friendly. One of the biggest things you'll notice here, since we're not a casino or we're not like a branded Marriott hotel, is there's no red tape. Um, if any employee here, hourly, managerial, has a you know wants to make a change, they see a way to improve, they can knock on my door. If you know we all agree in the room, let's make the change. You know we don't have to call ownership, meet with a management company or a board and make those changes. Nice. Yeah, yeah I could see how that's made you guys yeah. progress at a faster pace. Yeah, we've really progressed at a fast pace, and that's definitely something that's helped us being independent we don't have that built-in business when we opened in 2014 before the you know the reno economy was really back up and running it was a little slow paced and then being able to make changes on the fly for some of the big corporate companies coming to reno that wanted to have special things in their rooms special things in the building we were able to make those changes and secure some good business and you know good contracts for the future that have helped us even still nice and it feels like you almost have taken that uh, you made a shift in the outdoor perception or perspective of someone coming into town. Cause generally like people, will, they're going to make the voyage to, you know, Reno or to Tahoe, these outdoor areas, and they automatically are going to look for accommodations or lodging or something based around maybe an activity, you know, up in the Hills or, you know, out in the outback. And they generally seem to bypass Reno. But it seems like you filled that niche where yeah. you're like, Hey, look, no, you don't have to go all the way up there. You can be here and you could be in the center of it all, you know? Yep. So it's almost like you have this dynamic of attracting, you know, uh, you know, customer base that's already out there, yep. you know, but they, that, that would look elsewhere, you know, because most of these people, especially if they travel with a family or, you know, they're not into the casino vibe, yep. they're kind, they were kind of forced to the outskirts, you yeah. know, so, but you're right in the, right, <clears throat> literally in the middle of it all. So and I, think, I was wondering whose idea was it for the giant rock wall up the side of the hotel so the rock wall um that was actually originally built when this was comro it was kind of a a thought from previous people that had worked here so that kind of stuck around from comro when it shifted to whitney peak uh i can't say the climbing community in reno is huge you know being so close to donner Truckee, tahoe you have world-class climbing super close to us so that has been a big you know draw to us we get a lot of people coming from bishop the yosemite area coming up here just to climb it is the tallest artificial climbing wall in the world attached uh, we have the guinness book of world record for that but it does bring in a steady clientele too we have a huge tahoe clientele i think uh, base camp's located on the second floor when you go on that floor versus the rest of the hotel it's, it's just a different vibe it's a little slower paced uh, different kind of music's going to be playing and it it's just a, a, a nice attribute to the overall Whitney Peak. Yeah, I one thing I liked is, um, you know, since we're meeting here in this suite, all the natural wood and just the vibe is so different. Yep. But I love the view of the Truckee. I know uh, we first met, I think we both met in the Truckee. Yeah. I already know Nico when we went fly fishing. Literally in. In the river. Yes. In the river. Eric was literally in the river when you met him right yeah and yeah. I, I don't remember this but in my in my mind do you have a special skill you were fly fishing and i was downstream from you and all of a sudden you had to take a call and <laughs> your line was kind of close to me 
and you caught a fish, yeah, right? <laughs> without even trying. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I do remember to that. Name you the fish whisperer. <laughs> yeah. I got lucky. I mean, that's, yeah. that's when you catch most of the, yeah. most of the fish when you're not looking. <laughs> yeah, on the phone, and and not to mention looking away, yes. like like you, you know the, the rod in in I think it was in your right hand, just out this way, and you looked off to the left, and then. You were notified. Yeah. Well, you, know, you, know, like, hey, work, you got work, something on your line. You know, one of the benefits, you got to have that work-life balance. And uh, <laughs> I think that was before work when we were it doing was. that. It was. It was in the morning. Yeah, it was early morning. But um, I've been lucky enough at lunch, too, to get out there and, you know, fish with a colleague of mine that's a fisher. But, yeah, sometimes sometimes somebody calls, I need to answer it. But, yeah. you know, the work-life balance is there, and I'm still able to right. yeah, do I mean, my job and have fun. Nico and I sometimes talk about that, how to sustain the work-life balance. Yeah. You know. We sometimes we've got to be creative. We'll plan, you know, we'll go see this customer or we'll have a meeting here and we'll be able to, you know, squeeze in a lunch fishing session for fly fishing. I mean, do you have any tips and tricks of how to incorporate uh, fly fishing in your activities so that they're sustainable and kind of achievable? Yeah, I think that's interesting coming from kind of, you know, me as the general manager here. I think Whitney Peak, when we opened, um, the managing director really had that work-life balance vision for the company. And I think as an employee, you want to work in a company that has that, but it really depends on the individual to make it happen. You know, in a position like mine, I could work, you know, six in the morning to eight at night. But unless I make time, you know, to set aside and go do it and have a little fun, like I I can still get my job done. But as the employee, it's not all on the employer. Sometimes you just have to make that call and step away from work, clear your mind, have fun and, you know, start over. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said about engaging in what you're kind of promoting, right? You know, you're promoting the outdoors. Like how you said, you're bringing the outdoors in. But, you know, it's everything like when you're in these suites and these rooms, it reminds you of being outside, it reminds you to get back outside. And the fact that you're engaged and, and somewhat, you know, you promote that engagement, you know, obviously with yourself and with your employees and staff like that. Um, and even to touch on that, um, we wanted to mention that. And thank you for coming out. What was it, yeah. July? We did. Was it July, June? We did the river cleanup yep. out on the Eastern. Yeah. Eastern and, you know, and that you came out um, and you brought. You had your brother and you had your, your mom, mom and so yeah. right, you know, and and that was awesome for you to engage not only on a personal level but also as a representative of, of Whitney Peak because that was a joint um, nature conservancy and Trout Unlimited yeah. function, you know, and so there was other parties out there that you know contributed as well, but that that piece of engagement and involvement, you know, is pretty pretty awesome yeah i could tell when you were with your mom and your brother that it was really uh ingrained in your your family values oh yeah how did you how does that manifest growing up Uh, because i know you were one of the very first people you're like i'm there and then even when you were there you weren't lollygagging when i first uh when we yep. first came across each other, you were pushing giant tire the <laughs> longest way or through a field. So how mm-hmm. did that? How did that? Those service values kind of manifest. Yeah. I immediately regretted pulling that tire out too. That was not easy to get <laughs> oh, back. It was impressive. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I think that's really from my parents and my dad was. That's kind of how he was born and raised. You know, upland game hunting and fishing, every chance they had when I was uh, raised. I mean, we camped 
every time we had a chance. You know, my dad would take a half day Friday. We would go camp out in the middle of nowhere, come home Sunday night, and every single weekend was spent fishing and hunting. So that was just huge growing up like that. And then when I got into college, it kind of, you know, you start having more fun, partying, meeting other people. And I kind of just lost that aspect of my life. And then I would say, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago, started getting more into fishing again, you know, remembering where I came from and all that. And it's just really stuck with me again. I mean, there's nothing more relaxing than, you know, before work, being on the river at five, six in the morning, the sun's rising, you're on the river by yourself or with friends and, you know, trying to catch fish. So been doing it my whole life. My brother does it. Yeah. My mom and dad, you know, they still get out there. So. Yeah. And I could tell that that environment's important to you guys and keeping it clean and beautiful. Yeah, the the conservation's a big thing. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of proponents and opponents on kind of what fishers and hunters are doing, but I think as long as you have a good heart, you're in the right place. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's dive into that. First fish. Do you remember it? First fish. Yeah. Whew. I don't, but it was probably in the Ruby Marshes. It's, you know, clearly one of my favorite places to fish, uh, bass fishing. So I would assume out there just because there are so many fish. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, it's a marsh, so a lake that you can throw anything in there and catch a fish. All right. All right. Well, then how about this? Um, if you don't remember your first fish, your first recollection of that first trout that you yeah. got, where you're like, wow, I caught that. So you first know? fly fishing fish. I'll talk about that there one. You go. There we go. All right. That was, it's actually only about probably two and a half years ago. Uh-huh. Okay. I uh, wanted to get into fly fishing. I just thought it, was, it looked really cool. It was an art. You mm-hmm. know, when you see somebody that can cast a fly rod really well, it's just a beautiful thing to see. So... Indeed. Watched a bunch of YouTube videos for Christmas. I asked for just like the you know the standard Cabela's rod and reel thing. Yep. Um, and then I believe it was Labor Day. I went out there. I think everybody has Monday off for Labor Day. I took a half day, went out there, and uh, it was probably the third cast, caught a fish. And it was another one where I'm kind of just, you know, the flies down rivers kind of hanging there i think i was on the retrieve and mm-hmm. caught probably like an eight inch trout yeah um, wow so it was awesome and it was, it was really cool this fishing game was right behind me i didn't know that yet but <laughs> they stopped me as soon as i caught it so i was like yeah i'm good wow wow <laughs> so, yeah it was a good experience and then uh, i've been addicted since yeah i mean i had definitely had that beginner's luck though right you know then i didn't catch some for a while but right yeah you know we nico and i talk about that a lot it's there's such a rush when you're fly fishing and you have a fish on the line, that tug, you know, that, that fight, I don't know. It's, yeah. There's so much, it's oh, an it, adrenaline. A lot rush. of times you don't know when it's going to hit. Mm-hmm. It just hits and it's, you get that adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah. And, and little did you know, and little did I know, and the same thing with, with Ben, you know, like starting off fly fishing, especially here and like on the Truckee river, right? Mm-hmm. Once you get on that and you start you know, trying your hand at it, and then you're walking away, going, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, and it, it, it kind of bum you out for a little bit, you know, yeah. but then the more you dig into it and you realize that the truckie, you know, produces amazing, beautiful fish, but not like any other river, you know, in the West, you know, that it, it takes a certain level of dedication, a certain amount of time you know to finally dig into that you know so there's there's something to be said when you finally get into it you know but um you know the the fact that that you've engaged that and i don't know like how you overcame that i mean with just persistence or or what but you know there's a lot to be said but um i mean what are your feelings on that being knowing that you're on 
quite possibly one of the hardest yeah. <laughs> rivers to fish. I mean, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I, I, fishing to me really is more about the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're not catching fish, you're just enjoying the outdoors. It's yeah. again something I was brought up just being able to step away for a little bit, look at the sunrise, wake up early, get out there. You're on the river by yourself. It's a little calmer. Yeah. It's quieter. So even on days you're not catching fish, you know, you can't beat that experience. It's right. It's just a peaceful place to be. Right. Isn't that kind of where you're at? Yeah. I mean, for me, I one of my favorite hikes I've ever been on is the Narrows in Zion. Okay. And when I realized this hike is in water, something about being in water at the same time you're surrounded by the beauty. We, we've, you know, Nico and I, we've had a couple of days where we've, haven't got even a bite but it's impossible not to um come away with it in such a better state of mind because you're you know you're in the sierra nevadas in the in the middle of the truckee and then i got this from nico but i know a lot of people do this but i started taking a picture of the fish so i'll once it's netted i'll keep it down right in the water and then take a photo and i find myself uh looking back oh, at yeah. the different fish and just kind of admiring, you know, their beauty before you, you let them go. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I see that in a lot of like, you know, hiking, hunting, fishing. There's a, you know, like upland bird game hunting, you look at these mountains, it's desert, you know, you're not in trees or anything. And to the normal person, they're going to look at that and be like, why would you hike that? You know, it's straight up, it's desert, it's rocky. You, you don't know what's up there. You know, you don't know if there's going to be birds up there and you're just going to do it. You're going to charge that mountain, get up there and, you know, you might come home empty handed again and after 10, 20 miles. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, in, in, in your time fishing on the Truckee, have you found, do you have, you know, what, what do you favor about? Do you have, do you have a favorite spot? Is it, do you have a favorite place to go? Regardless, regardless of the fishing conditions, if you're like, hey, I'm going to go fishing, where, where's your number one? Like, what, what do you prefer on the Truckee? I prefer going a little more. So, which way am I facing? I think you're facing yeah, east now. East. A little more west, just because it's a little less people there. Mm-hmm. Again, I like I enjoy fishing for the calmness and the peacefulness of it. So, yeah. I like I like getting out there on some of the weird off ramps on eighty and pulling mm-hmm. over, hiking down to the river, right. looking for new spots. But since we are so close to the truck, you know, Whitney Peak is located. You know, it's really probably a three minute walk from the river. I yeah, mean, almost fish. on top of it. Yeah. yeah, it depends on how much time I have, you know, if it's right. a short day or, you know, I don't have that much time, I can just walk down to the river and you can catch fish right downtown, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what's so neat about, to me, what surprised me about Reno is downtown, there are so many fish. Yep. And it's, we lately, uh, Nico and I have been having trouble getting even, we'll show up and there's already two or three fly fishermen. Yeah. Even now in the cold. Yeah. And... That's that's the only challenge, trying to find a spot. So I, I like what you're saying about going west. Yeah, yeah. And I will say though, Nico did introduce me to the east part of the Truckee River too. Which, if you've never fished the East Truckee, you know you you drive on 80 going out to Winnemucca or Elko, and you just kind of drive and you you look at the river. It looks like desert. If you get close to the river out there, it is green and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It is neat to have complete opposite. Yeah. Might be a little harder to fish, river. might be a little, you know, but they're they're big out there, but it's just beautiful. There definitely is a division between the east and the west of that river, you know, and like what you're talking about, you know, on, on the western sections as you dive up towards state line, you have that that falling off of of, of the tree line, the forest, you know, the ruggedness. 
and then it then it shifts it goes from the pine and sage bam right into you know like cottonwood you know deciduous trees right through downtown you know which in its own right is pretty fascinating and beautiful especially like in the fall mm-hmm. you know it's just like wow it's this landscape that you can't capture anywhere but then you all that also you have that big transition to the east or the outback you know it's like some of us like to call it where it's just in the winter it just looks like this just dead wide open barren desert in the summer on certain section it could feel like like you are in like the outback you know you got all these huge trees and greenery surrounding you you know humidity super high you know but you have this this, this intense nutrient rich water you mm-hmm. know but i think that's something that's cool especially like we're like where whitney peaks located you know you literally for the guests that's into fly fishing or if you're catering to that specific group they can literally walk down the street and hit a downtown section and, and, and a very good, good section yep. right yep. yeah and that's one of the things you know you have that perception oh downtown of anywhere is garbage you know but not i mean you know there, there is there is a certain population to deal with <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know but you know you know aside from that once you get into the water and you get into that habitat it's just like whoa you know, like I had, you would have no clue that that existed there until you step foot in it. You know, and I think that's something that, you know, is a pretty unique thing that just the hotel itself can offer. Being, you know, promoting outdoors is like, Absolutely. hey, you know, worst case scenario, you know, everything goes wrong. Even if you're not fishing, you can walk down to the river, you know, go put your toes in and go, whoa, yeah, wow, you know, that's pretty. Yeah, and, and you'll, and <laughs> yeah. that's you know we send people down there all the time. You know, grab a cup of coffee, walk on the river, and you can watch people fishing, catching fish. I mean, if you go down to the river and you walk, probably twenty minutes, you'll probably see someone fishing. And if you watch them for twenty minutes, you you have good chance of seeing them catch fish. And then that is the beauty. Even though there are other people, sometimes it can kind of hold a crowd more or less yeah you know it's a big rib it's a big enough river to where if someone's on one side you could be further down on the other yep um, i was thinking about one of my other favorite spots about being downtown is the rich food choices and food options yes and as you know from the podcast title we named it burritos breaks and flies mm-hmm. and so we wanted to find out i know uh you have a lot of connections and places you like to go. What are what are some of your favorite places? And then specifically, what's your favorite place to get a, a good burrito? So I'm going to actually steer probably to a breakfast burrito. Mm. That is yes. my favorite breakfast burrito. The, the best one I've ever had is Walden's Coffee House. A couple different Walden's around, um, but I go to the one down on, I think it's California. It is the greatest breakfast burrito. And ever. what is in it? I get the chorizo breakfast burrito, but you have the the potatoes, the eggs, everything else. But you know, I don't personally know the owner, but I heard he did go study in France. You know, expertly trained in everything. And then he, when he came back to Reno, he bought some coffee shops, which is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's just the best food. And it's not just the breakfast burrito; it's everything on that menu is unbelievable. That's awesome. So I got to yeah. back you up. So let's back up to the chorizo part. Yes. All right. So let's break down the ingredients here. So we got the chorizo, right? Now, I mean, this is important right? because yeah. chorizo, because you, you come across, you can say chorizo and it's like, well, there's all kinds. Like, you know, there's a store bought, like, like, like I call it the poop in the tube, which I dig in eggs <laughs> and stuff, but, but, right, right. But, you know, but then you get to that super high quality chorizo. Like, so, so, so take us on a little journey real quick, you know, as, as you're, engaging that burrito 
And the first thing that hits your taste buds and your teeth and your roof of your mouth is that tree. So tell us about it. What's it like? I mean, what is it? Is it is it unparalleled? Is it unmatched? You know, do you go black? I mean, like, do you just I think black it, out? Like, what happens? I eat a lot of breakfast burritos. You okay. know, I'm, I'm a All fat right. kid at heart. Breakfast is awesome. Uh-huh. Um, I have to say, this breakfast burrito just tastes different. I've had trees mm-hmm. at other restaurants and breakfast burritos. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of places just do the sausage or bacon. Yeah, um, I'm probably gonna pronounce this wrong, but they have the is it linguica? Oh yeah, that Lucia. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have that. You know, they have mm-hmm. the chicken. They have probably ten different meats you can put in there, but the chorizo. Yeah, it's ground. It's the greatest thing you could have. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's 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 what they also have a, a a Mick Walden, which is like the McMuffin, mm. but you know it's a little more upscale version and take on it. Right. Right. Unbelievable. Mick Walden. That's great. If you're, I know you do a lot of traveling. You're headed to New York. Uh, you know, you get around. How do you identify if you're in a new town, a good where you you can just you have these factors mm-hmm. to identify this is going this has the highest probability of being a legitimate burrito place what do you look for it's probably the the line to the restroom <laughs> the line to the restroom <laughs> yes that yeah. is a very good you know, if you're going to go you're going to go like a, a more of a mexican style burrito you really yeah. want to look at that that line to the bathroom and right <laughs> right. We actually have a list of that's posted on our our website and social okay. channels of, you know, it's called the the BBF burrito questionnaire. Right. And, and one of the points we have is do at least one of the reviews complain of food poisoning. <laughs> right. Spot on. See, there's the line in the bathroom. Right. Yes. That's what creates it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of shifted our perspective on this because this this was solely focused on like like a lunch or or dinner aspect, right? So that that pre or mid or post like fly fishing trip like actually when you're on the river or about to engage the river as you're walking off or on the journey to like in the vehicle. Yeah. Right. You know, so we think that's a significant part of, of the journey is, is like, yeah, you know, we do the fishing part and we could dive into that all day long and, and talk about, about knots and colors of flies and stuff, but we'll just, we just narrow that out really quick for people. Right. You know, yeah. so, so you get it close, right? If the bug's a certain color, yeah, we'll get it close. If it's a certain size, yeah, we'll make it a little bigger. And then the third step is to put it right in front of the fish, right? Yep. That's how we teach. That's 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 my course of instruction. That's how it's been for Ben, right? And it's worked out well. And we we completely go against the grain on that, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So so with this list, like like question number one, is basically, and this is for lunch related, but it can be breakfast related. Is can you see your reflection in the grease? I mean, that's significant. That is. It's like and, the and dive on... into that. Dive into that, Ben, because he can explain that a little bit better. We're not talking like pooled grease underneath. We're talking. Tell him. It's like the scene in Jurassic Park when the T Rex is coming and they're looking at the water cup, <laughs> and you see that vibration. vibration in there. So yeah, there has to be some element of grease. My, I'd always think if I could see my reflection in it. Mm-hmm. It passes the test, but mm-hmm. kind of what do you look for? What's too much? What's not enough? So, so is the vibration kind of the same thing as like when you're looking at the burrito, it makes you nervous a little bit? Like, <laughs> yes. Should I right. eat this? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
I think when you're looking at the burrito, you know, you take the first couple bites, it opens up the burrito, and you just see an array of colors. You know, kind of can tell where it's going to go. You know, one side of the burrito is going to be a lot of rice, one side is going to be meat, so you got to make sure it's evenly spread out in the burrito. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I like the burritos greasy, though. I like when you when you pick up the burrito, and there's already just grease on the bottom of the plate. You know? Yeah. So, so that leads us into, Great. you know, question six. We're kind of jumping through here, but we'll, yeah. we'll backtrack. So... In relation to the grease, is the tortilla soft and or transparent at room temperature? Because that plays a part in the grease factor. Is the transparent is embedded already in the tortilla, or is it soaked through? You know, because you don't want you don't want a soppy yeah like tortilla. As your bite it explodes, right. you want yeah, that yeah. that that the, the fat in the tortilla to retain the rest of the fat. Yep. in the burrito so you know when they kind of when they pan sear it and they kind of it hardens mm. the soft shell I really like that but I don't think it's as authentic as the uh-huh. one where the grease is just soaking right. through right I mean yeah you get it they threw it on a flat top they yeah. made everything they slapped it together yeah yeah you know man maybe you could attest to this it's like when when you pick up that burrito it's almost like you want you know what Star Wars episode is that when Han Solo got frozen, like, and he's like pushing through, like that. Oh, yeah. That's number three. Right. I want my or whatever's inside pushing through. Two. Like, you want to feel that you're like, oh, look, it's Han Solo on the other side of my. Right. That's kind of like what you know you kind of go for there. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good analogy. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it can be difficult when you travel, you know, to to dig down on, you know, like, hey, where where am I going to go? So there's some external factors that you could focus on, right? And okay. one, one suggestion to you, and you could come back on this and see if it's, see if this is proven, because I think with Ben and I, it's been proven, but um, maybe, yeah, horchata. horchata. Is, is it available, one? What's the other factor you said? The is mention? it in the jar? Yeah. Or is it on tap? Or is it on tap? Yeah, because yeah, they have those agua frescas ones yeah. that circulate, but Ben brought up, like, when you, when you get to the jar style, yeah, it's a big level. giant jar. Whole nother I've level. never paid attention to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, an external factor is too is when you walk in there, is the person that takes your order gonna go cook your food, mm. come back out, give you your bill? Yes. Whoa. Are they washing their hands? You don't even know because they're you know they're going behind a wall. You're hoping they are, but if it, is it a one man shop? Wow, you right. just added something to the whole. That's yeah. very important. Wow, thank you. Which I guess kind of goes to the you know in Reno if you. There's a really good uh, kind of taco and burrito truck. It's in a food truck across the street from Pepper Mill. Right. I don't know if it's there seven days a week or what, but it's only open from like five to eight, but it's really, really good. Hmm. You know, one thing I just thought of is I have a good friend who opened up, a, he opened up ice cream trucks. Okay. And when I was growing up, well, when I knew him, he was relatively fit. But once he started this chain of ice cream trucks, he gained tons and tons of weight. But he held it well, but he was not overweight. He was, as he put it, fat. And I thought, that's a perfect validation to your ice cream. So I'd say another factor is our... Is are, do the people there look like they really enjoy it? Well, they say that, right? Never trust a skinny chef. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've never heard that's that. A, that's a big saying, but you never trust a skinny chef. Right. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very wow. good. Yeah. There's a couple other maybe 
I'll give you one that you can take with you on the road. Um, so this is one of my this is one of my favorites. Is is the first time engaging the burrito? Um, ask yourself this: It's like, do you feel a hot breeze as you're eating that burrito? <laughs> right? Does it does it does it? Do you transcend time and location wherever you're eating that, and you are in the origin of that burrito instantly? Right? Okay. You know, just you take that with you, okay? Um, but here's the other one, and and I, I just want to say I wish ahead. the yeah. podcast could have picked up the expression on your face as you were in that description. Sir, reading unidentified vessel just entering sensor range. Yes, you were thinking yeah. about that next burrito. Right, right. Well, I I've thought about in the past where I've had something like that where I'm like, oh, I'm I just hopped off the shrimp boat in Mexico. Yeah, and I just ran ashore, and there happened to be a hot mesquite fire. A little, you know, uh, grill, you know, and I cleaned the shrimp off, put them on there. I mean, everything was ready. That's where I was at. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell, you know, but he picked it up on my facial expression. So that's where I was at. So um, <laughs> there, there's so much that we could we could cover on that. Um, now, I'll ask you one more and then I'll, I'll turn this over to Ben on any further burrito questions. But let's go back to that Walden's breakfast burrito. Okay. okay. So the timing is going to be a little weird on this. However, I imagine because it is a... Um, heavily protein laden burrito, right? We got eggs and got the tree, so oh, yeah, you know, got the fat content. There's some potatoes in there, kind of a binding starch agent, you know. Um, that this question is normally reserved for that of the lunch again or the dinner burrito. But, um, if you did eat this prior to maybe you took a nap, if you ate this before going to bed, would you have any dreams that maybe? Included monster trucks. <laughs> Is that a nightmare or a dream? <laughs> that's, that's... I know. I mean... It's a great question. It's, that, a, it's, it's a hard one to pick. I mean... That is. Think about monster trucks. You're like, why monster trucks? And, and so, what I mean by that, it reverts to the Google review on food poisoning, right? It does. So, we have an unsettled state inside your digestive tract, right? Um... Monster trucks playing mud. So, just I, you don't even have to answer that. You could, but it's just something to take with you. Um, maybe uh, that was too much. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> what's interesting about these big burritos? Like when you get breakfast burritos these days, they're just always huge right now too. So, you know, I I go to Walden's almost every Friday morning for breakfast burrito with my friends. We get coffee and everything, and I'm probably the only one that eats a whole breakfast burrito. It's, wow. I don't know why. I think it's disrespectful not to eat the whole thing. Well, yeah. Gotta eat it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. You go with friends? Yeah. I don't like your friends anymore. I know. I'm not kidding. They're not they're not committing. They're not committing. Don't order it. Get the McWalden. Yeah. Yeah. It's kinda like sometimes like with like with Chinese food sometimes. Right? You dig into it and you could you could get into it, be a little bit hungry, and then you could be totally full getting into that, but you just keep just keep eating it. You're like, oh no, I'm good. And then like maybe about five minutes later, it happens. The emergence from wherever you're at back to where the food's located and you're like oh hey well i still got some chinese food there why not you know and i think that's the same realm i think that's what you experience all in one sitting with your walden's burrito yeah yeah okay absolutely all right absolutely i think walden's gonna be stoked yeah that you're talking about this is Get i'm excited out there oh yeah <laughs> no I'm, I'm super stoked on that <laughs> but now with with all that being said you're taking your trip is, is have you can you recollect any 
any trip that you've taken, whether it's fishing or, yeah. or, or hunting, um, you know, where you have that, I gotta go to this place and get this, or is there something, you know, that that's synonymous with your trip or maybe a trip or yeah. something? Yeah. I will say anytime I go out to like the Ruby Marshes out in, um, you know, far Northeast Nevada, the star in Elko mm. Basque restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a Basque restaurant in one of these little small northern Nevada towns, always go eat there. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if you're not there by five, they don't take reservations usually. If you're there not not there by five p.m., you're not getting tabled the entire night. I mean, these are just traditional Basque, really, really good food. When I go camping though, I do like to just cook my own food. You know, if, if we're fishing, I'm going to catch fish. We're going to eat it while we're camping. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things like that. That's fascinating that you say that, Eric, because yeah. um, I think even Ben and I could identify that. Because one time, one time we had lunch at Louis. Louis is just like you're saying; it's an incredible place. It's in yep. an old building. Um, the owners, the staff, they are so committed to the authenticity, the flavor, and I think that's probably one of my very favorite places to eat. Awesome in Reno. Well, next time you guys are in, you know, any of these towns, Winnemucca, uh, there's a good one out in Gardnerville. Mm. Elko has the best. Yeah. Um, and then even downtown Santa Fe just opened back up. Yeah. So that's another Basque restaurant. That's you know, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, I, when you were describing about, you know, when you're going to certain places, there's there's things you want to hit. I just was thinking, I you know, I grew up surfing, and my dad surfs, my brother surfs, as, mm-hmm. as you know, and we would, I grew up in Orange County, and in South Orange County happens to be one of the greatest uh, breaks in Southern California, which, what I think is trussles. So, whenever we would do a trussles trip, it was a little bit longer than just going to our our local surf spots and so it was a tradition after that we would go to Pedro's tacos so whenever I see a Pedro's it makes me think of trussels and joy I just like how you know food and certain events or certain sports are associated do you you have any of them Nico yeah no I would say I mean, I, I've experienced that in the past. And same thing, like with Ben, I, I grew up in Southern California, and um, Ben was more on, obviously, on more of the surf side, and uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of time on the ocean, you know, one way or the other, you know. But my other side was you know, the whole snowboarding thing. And before I would go up to like what was it, you know, Snow Valley, mm-hmm. you know, or Mountain unfortunately, High. like like Bear Mountain or Snow Summit, one of those places. Um, we always stopped at this place down in, in Redlands. There's this breakfast place. I can't remember what it's called. Um, is it Redlands? I think it was Redlands. Yeah, but it was just this breakfast place. And we would, and my buddy that I went with at the time, Vic, he would always order this, this steak and eggs thing. And it was really great. But we just had this major feel up. But, but that was part of it. If, if, if anything was out of sync with not doing that, going to that particular location, the whole day would be off. Oh, yeah. Because we weren't properly fueled. You know, we weren't happy, you know, and then we would have to find something second best, you know, or third best, you know, you know, or, you know, God forbid you had to eat mountain food, you know, and then you're just in the, you know, you're just like, oh man, you know, now I'm like super broke, you know, <laughs> you know and, and not even full yeah, and not even full, you yeah. know, that's a bad day, you know, and, and we, we could, we could go off. It's off funny because, of uh, um, sometimes it, it heavenly and, you know, we should state for the record 
there is a very significant difference between Southern California mountains and snow conditions, etc. Oh, <laughs> versus yeah, yeah, yeah. here in the Sierra Nevada, oh, yeah. Lake Tahoe. But yeah. I do. It is amazing how when you're in a sport and you know you're on the mountain and you have that seventeen dollar burger or single item, yeah. how it does hit the spot. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it it does. It, and to kind of kind of backtrack on that, as far as you know, what we're we're talking here with Eric about is you know we we talked a little bit about about Eric who he is, you know what he's doing, um, Whitney Peak, you know how awesome that is, and you know maybe we'll just speak a little bit to this, and we'll get close to wrapping up because we all got to get back to our regular jobs, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, um, you know, the significance, one, we talked about Whitney Peak, it's location downtown. You're super close to the river. Um, you know, and I would encourage anybody that's either maybe in town or even out of town when they come in, this would be the place to stay. But there's another thing that we're kind of, we kind of left out. And that is that, you know, we're what, aside from being right next to a blue ribbon fishery, mm-hmm. um, there's the other fishery that people come from around the world, and that's Pyramid Lake. Right, you yeah. know, you got a little experience out there. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's something special. But um, I think this this is a this is probably you, you couldn't find a better location to stay if you're absolutely yeah you know. yeah yeah. We're only probably what thirty minutes away from Pyramid Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, World class fishing, like Nico said, I've had a little experience out there, not the best luck. <laughs> but again, that's not what it's about. It's about being out there and right. enjoying the outdoors. But right, very close to Pyramid. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably heard about Pyramid no matter where you live in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely in, in this, I, I would highly recommend <laughs> staying here, you know, especially after a long day out there. I mean, you're on your feet all day. Yep. You know, and then, you know, with your central hub location here, um, you can eat. Um, what do you have downstairs? What's your Roundabout Grill. Yeah. Yeah. So it's owned by uh, Chef Colin and his wife, Mary Beth. Kind of American food, but really, really good. Yeah, we've met you a couple times down there, and yes. you were just finishing up eating. Yeah. And every time we've seen you, you've got something really good yeah. on your plate. Down there a couple times a week. Yeah, yeah, I've caught you down there. <laughs> got a, a nice tab there. I've <laughs> caught you down there a few times. You know, so. one of the um, things that I just wanted to get to before we finished is, you know, in talking about, you know, Whitney Peak. You know, you know the area. You know what's different. What's out here? Yeah. One of the things I get, and Nico and I talk about, is how many boards you sit on. Yeah. And I know you have, as we talked about earlier, you know, service is kind of ingrained in you, but we'll have an idea and you'll say, yeah, you could do this or you could do that. And it's, they're great ideas. And I just wanted to find out, you know, how did you get yourself so involved in the community and, you know, and then also to get on the different boards and and what are the boards? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I am on quite a few boards, but some of them are finally phasing out. You know, some of these boards can only be on for so long before they phase out, and that's even four years. I, I'm just recently getting off of EDON, Economic Development in Western Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just it's good to give back to the community. I mean, it's kind of helped me get to where I am, you know, getting the name out there. I am, you guys probably wouldn't believe this, but I'm an introvert. I don't like being out there. But, you know, to get further in my life, I know I have to put myself out there. Uh, and this is also how I you know, I'm thankful that I met Nico and Ben from that. It's just, I like to do business with people that 
you know, have similar interests and are easy to talk to. You know, there's, there's nothing cooler than, you know, being sold something, you know, turning into having that same person, you know, call you one day to talk about something that has nothing to do with business, nothing to do with work. It's more about, you know, our passions, our interests, things like that. So it's fun to be on these boards and just meet different people. Um, and you know, if, if a lot of these boards, you'll meet people that are in these different industries and then one day it'll click and you'll be like, Oh, I wonder how I can, you know, we can, you know, work together, leverage this relationship, um, and have fun. But yeah, do sit on a lot of boards. Um, keep me busy. Uh, not much more to say on that. It is a lot. <laughs> now, just the last also, uh, if somebody's listening to this, you know, they've heard the river call to them. They're in a pattern of life where they're, you know, they just don't know if they have time to like connect themselves or where to go or how, how would you advise somebody? Maybe they could be new to the area or, you know, who I'm thinking of is people who have always been in the area, but haven't had the opportunity yet or taking advantage of fully what the area has to offer. What would you recommend to somebody who wants to, you know, get more connected in their community, meet somebody who's, you know, doing the activities they want to do? How do they literally, you know, put yeah. themselves out there to do that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of organizations. I know you guys are part of them too, like the chamber, you know, if you just want to meet people in business. And then you really got to put yourself out there and just, you know, it's just as much work for the person to find those people you want to connect with. Something that's really special about the, you know, the fishing and hunting community is once you find those people, you know, the passion just comes out of them and how excited they are about it. And, you know, I've never really met an angry fisher or hunter, you know, they're all, all pretty cool for the most part, unless you start stepping on their toes and their areas they like, I mean, you will run into that, but uh, you really just got to put yourself out there, you know, join, join the different organizations around Reno. If you Google it, there are hundreds of them. So that's what I would recommend. Well, or you can, you can give me a call here and get you in touch with the right people. Yeah. Hey, that's great. That's, a, <laughs> Absolutely. that's an incredible offer. Yes, yeah. I'll take it. And let me say this. There isn't a more motivated, young and eager fly fisherman out there, more than Eric. You know, the times that we have linked up early in the morning, especially during the summer, on some sections in Verdine Mogul, as I pull up, he's literally already standing out there in his waders. Like we say, oh, let's meet at 5.45 a.m., as I'm pulling up at 546, he's standing outside his truck, waiters on. Rigged up. I mean, rod in hand, like 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 you can almost see the dust behind him because he's ready just to tear off to the river. And I pull up, you know, and I'm thinking in my head, this is a poor decision. This is stupid. It's 545. This sucks. This is dumb. And, you know, you get out there. It's like, yeah, man, let's go. And it's like, so with that being said, I think Eric brings that to everything that he does, you know. So um, Thank you. awesome. Thanks for bringing that vibe. We need that out there. Um and so if anybody is interested in staying at Whitney Peak, you have a website or what, what do you got? Yeah, website. Um, you can call the front desk direct, 775-398-5400. Uh, we'll get you set up. We also have a concierge team here. You know, if you do have those special requests, if you want to get on the river with a guide or things like that, our concierge team will put you in touch with people. If you want restaurant recommendations, you know, they're really helpful people. They really want to help everyone here. And what's your website again? It's uh, www.whitneypeakhotel.com. Well, that's too easy. Yep. All right. Keep it simple. Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much for your yeah. time. It's an thank honor you guys. to be talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, and as far as uh, normally we like to tag the end of this with a fish report, but we're not. You can go to the website. You can see if there's a current one or not. 
I can tell you right now, it's not so hot, but you know, maybe that'll change. <laughs> so thanks again, Eric. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Okay.